and I'll be happy to help them in any way I can to recruit free agents. At the same time that you just said the organization is shit. You just said the organization is clueless. You said the organization, the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing, and the person at the top is putting idiots in charge of crap. And yet you say you're going to help them get free agent. What free agent? You are listening to episode 17 of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast, the podcast of two unqualified idiots rambling on sports topics they likely know nothing about for an indeterminate night timeline and a hastily thrown together format. Brought to us this week by Editing Magic, which is what's going to allow this podcast to take place. I'm Carlos Alcos, and with me as always is Dave Turnbull. Can you even say that with you as always is Dave Turnbull after last week now? Listen, what I'm going to do eventually is I'm just going to take audio clips of you saying random things. Now, I may recut them in a way where you're going to see objectionable things. The moon landing didn't happen, and 9-11 was an inside job, and all those things will be attributable to you in audio form. But that's okay. It's completely fine. Okay. Uh, that, but of course, then I'm allowed to say hashtag fake news, right? Go, go ahead. And, and it'll work at least as well as it does for the other guy who talks about fake news all the time. At least Perfect. as well, I promise. With all that said, and Dave Turnbull's controversial stance is noted for the public record, we're going to talk about a couple of different sports topics here. But right off the top, we're going to get right off the gates with a triumphant-ish return of the pretentious cross-country running report with Dave Turnbull. All right. So you, it is well documented, my hate of CONCACAF on this program. I just I, feel your, your hate in general is well documented. Go on. So I would like to add some hate for another soccer governing body this week. And this week, I would like to put the hate on UEFA. UEFA is the governing body for Europe. I don't even know what the acronym stands for. I'm assuming it stands for something, but I don't actually know what it stands for. So good on you, UEFA. It kind of rolls off the tongue a little bit. Here's my problem. We've mentioned this briefly on the program before, but... The Europa League final, which is the second tier competition of club soccer in Europe, the final is in Baku, Azerbaijan, where you have mentioned you have your vacation home. Yes, it is lovely this time of year. Which you've already documented is impossible to get to, etc. And we kind of delved into the political situation between Azerbaijan and Armenia. Mm -hmm. basically that Azerbaijan doesn't recognize Armenia. So here's the problem. One of Arsenal's players, who is arguably one of their better players, I use the term arguably there, who's playing in this final, has now decided not to go because he has not received the proper assurances from UEFA and from Azerbaijan that he's going to actually be safe to enter the country. So he is Armenian, playing in England, supposed to travel to this for a game. He's not going because he's worried about his safety. Right. Okay? Also, there have been reports now of fans who from Armenia or Armenian descent living in other countries who want to go to attend the game who are not being allowed visas to enter the country. So here's my problem. UEFA, what the fuck are you doing? This is such a shit show now. This final should never have been there in the first place. You're pandering to some nation that you doesn't matter, is a shitty football country. Okay, The stadium looks nice, fair enough. Probably paid with by oil money. But they're a shitty soccer country. Like, I wish, I wish. FIFA and UEFA... These organizations have a lot of power. They have a lot of power potentially politically. Why the heck are they not using it for some good? Why do they always have to go, let's put this country, you know, let's put this tournament in a country that has massive human rights abuses. Why? Because money. Just yeah. stop. Just yeah. stop. That play the thing in freaking, why don't you play it in Malaga in southern Spain? It's really nice there. Really nice this time of year. Play it in there. It's probably not going to rain. Everyone's going to be happy. The game is going to be fun. Even if the game's shitty, people will be like, hey, we had a nice time in Malaga. But by putting it in Baku, people are going to be like, 
why the, if they don't like the game or the game is shit, they're going to be like, why the fuck did I travel to this country? I don't understand. Why am I here? I, you know, it took me, cost me $5,000 to fly here. And I saw a crappy game of football and I don't know. Anyway, I'm just upset. And also UEFA has now said, if any Arsenal fans who attend the game protest in any way, shape or form, there will be repercussions. Do they tell you, say what these repercussions are? No, because they're chicken shit. But they do say they exist, which is bullshit. And I really hope Arsenal fans do protest because this is crap. And UEFA, shame on you. I like the vigor, the vigor of the of the hostile anger there from you. The the hate, the hate is earned this time. Very good. No, the, uh, the it's funny you mentioned this because this is not dissimilar. Like the, literally, the whole outline to what you were saying is not dissimilar to the kind of the running joke. Because we we're, we talk about WWE on this program only because of its context with the XFL and Vince McMahon and all that. But WWE has basically done this exact same thing in a similar manner. Because they run, uh, they're running like, I think a couple of times a year now, they run shows out of Saudi Arabia. And the only reason, okay. and, and very similarly, there's a lot of, you know, protests to the point that they don't even advertise that it's on Saudi Arabia because they'll put it on the WWE Network. They're like, we have the show. The most recent one that's coming up is called the Super Showdown. It's happening in June in Saudi Arabia. Why? Because reportedly, the problem is nobody knows because WWE, even though it's a publicly traded company, they hide this information behind a lot of other revenues and things. So nobody knows. But it, the, reportedly, they're getting at least $10 million a year from Saudi Arabia to run these shows. So they just make more money than God running these shows. And truthfully, that might be on the low conservative end of the guesses. It might be $30 million, $50 million, even $100 million a year to run these shows. And because of all that, it doesn't matter how many people are angry or protesting or upset about, you know, running shows in Saudi Arabia of all places where really no one gives a crap about Saudi Arabia. But Saudi Arabia has tons of money to throw at this to put on the show and try to be basically an advertisement for Saudi Arabia. And Vince McMahon likes money and he doesn't care who it's coming from. It's not dissimilar to kind of your objection to this particular thing. And where was your other suggestion? Where was the place that you said that you suggested that you would prefer they go? Malaga. Malaga is in Spain, you said? Yeah, it's southern Spain. I just found it weird that you picked the other side of my other vacation home. This is odd, man. Like, we're going to have to have a conversation. You know what? Personally, I commend you if you actually have vacation home in Malaga. Well, listen, it's I, quite a nice I, place. I don't like the cottage thing. If you listen to last week's podcast, you heard me rail against the cottage. That's just yep. foolishness. But vacation homes in random, you know, places around the world, that's how I like to indulge in a simply completely unjustifiable funds that I totally have. You know, I fly down. I only, I actually only go just to look around, take a couple of pictures. I only do it for about an hour at a time. Do it and then, you know, take a selfie and then fly back. You know, it's an effective use of, it's an effective use of our time. It helps me relax. The Canadian suburbs are tough, as you well know. Anyway, uh, anything else to add to that? That's a pretentious cross-country running report for this week. Well, I'll add to this just because it proves more incompetence. So I don't know if you know this, the 2022 World Cups in Qatar. Obviously. Okay. Yes. So... But now again, massive human rights abuses. Some they had to bring in a whole bunch of foreign labor. They had to move the timeline of the World Cup. So the World Cup's usually June, July. Now it's going to be in December because it's too hot in June, July. And it's it's another shit show. However, they said you know what would be a great idea instead of having thirty two teams, let's have forty eight because that's a great idea. It's a good round number. And guess what? FIFA has now been like, actually, that was kind of stupid. I think we're just going to keep it at thirty two. So at least. They walked back from a stupid decision. So it's proven that they can walk back from these stupid decisions. So you know what? UEFA, uh, anyone else, please never host anything ever again in Azerbaijan. Okay? Thank you. Azerbaijan.
And this has been the Pretentious Cross Country Running Report with Dave Turnbull. That was exciting. I'm not going to lie. That was uh, that was moving. One uh, one final note before we leave the topic. UEFA is the Union of European Football Associations. So there you go. Now we've all learned something. My Google foo is strong. Let's move on. Let's talk a little bit. Okay, real quick before we, we're going to talk about the NBA. So normally I'll, I'll outline some of the topics. I wanted to get the pretentious cross-country running report out there. I wanted to point out that I'm deeply disturbed that Dave knows about my vacation homes. That's kind of weird. But... There are a couple of things that have happened. We now know what the Stanley Cup Finals looks like. So let's we're going to talk about the Stanley Cup Final really briefly. It's going to be short. I'll talk a little bit more about it later on. Not a big deal. The St. Louis Blues, for the first time since 1970, 49 years, are going to be back in the Stanley Cup Final taking on the Boston Bruins, who, in the rich tradition of Boston slash New England sports, are trying to reclaim the the heritage and the preeminence of Boston slash New England sports where it's been like weeks or days or like 27 minutes since one of them have won a championship. And I, for one, think it's about time that a Boston team won a championship. Really, they're due. How about you, Dave? Yeah, no. So it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, I, I I don't think it's going to be that compelling a Stanley Cup final. I'll watch it, certainly, but it's it's not my first choice. I'm not super thrilled or excited. I'll talk about it a little more because we the game one doesn't start until next Monday. So right now we're recording on Wednesday. If I get a little time, I might put together a little something. Um, probably do it as a UN pod extra. Talk about it a little bit for a couple of minutes, but that's really going to be about the extent of it. But that's the Stanley Cup final, so congratulations to both teams. Uh, may the best team win that's not Boston. I think that'll be good. Okay, let's talk a little NBA. Now, question for you. I'm going to give you a quick choice. I want to get this right. Do you want to talk about the series that ended, the series that's still ongoing, And then we've got Zion, potentially, potentially, it hasn't happened yet, potentially going to the New Orleans Pelicans, and the Lakers imploding, the explosion that's happening behind me, even though I'm in Canada. If you look off in the distance, you can actually see the fires from the explosion happening of the Los Angeles Lakers and someone throwing kerosene on it, someone by the name of Magic Johnson. Uh, Let's go, Zion. All right, Zion, what are your feels? I honestly am thinking that New Orleans is going to find some way to screw this up. I just don't have any faith in that organization whatsoever. Uh, You know what? I think this could even be something that, let's put it this way. It seems to be New Orleans' MO. Get a superstar. Now, granted, there's no guarantee that Zion's going to be a superstar, but he has the makings of being one. So get a superstar. Get close to being decently good, i.e. like maybe just squeak into the playoffs, maybe win a couple of games in the playoffs, but certainly not go far. And then start sucking again for a while and then have your superstar leave and then have to start all over again. They had Chris Paul. That's what happened. They have Anthony Davis, who technically is still a New Orleans Pelican at this current moment of time, but that is always subject to change. And if he leaves, then you have Zion. What's to say that history isn't going to repeat itself again, right? Those who fail to learn their history are doomed to repeat it, Carlos, which means New Orleans basketball team is doomed. Unless there's that one, you know, breakout year like the Saints where they somehow won a Super Bowl in 2009. You say it's because Sean Payton sold his soul. I say it's a fluke. Hey, these things happen. Both things can be true at the same time. He can say he could have sold his soul. They could have actually said no, and then someone screwed up the paperwork. These things happen. Stuff Weird stuff occurs. The reality is, and I, I kind of outlined a couple of the scenarios. Now, the truth is, this is an easy one. You, you, you're going to get you know massacred if you do not pick Zion. Now, with that said, if you're New Orleans, and I'll throw a couple of scenarios out at you, and we'll talk about it more, obviously, once we get closer to the draft. It'll, it'll make more sense to talk about it more then. You could draft Zion. You've got Anthony Davis, and you know he wants to go. If I'm Anthony Davis, this changes nothing, realistically, because I don't, I don't understand why New Orleans has a basketball team in the first place. I, I actually genuinely don't understand. I don't understand why their arena is called the Smoothie King Center. I know Smoothie King sponsors it, but I don't understand why they, why they don't think that's hilarious. I do. But that it is what it is. 
Probably because Drew Brees is a spokesperson for Smoothie King. I'm assuming that has something to do with it. Fantastic. Then sell him a portion of the team because that's about the only way any of this shit makes any sense. But with all that said, I don't really foresee a scenario where they're going to be able to build a strong team around either Anthony Davis or Zion if you don't consider the possible. Like, if it was me, I would kind of re, I would consider just trading both assets and seeing if you could build basically an entire team off of it. Because between Zion and Anthony Davis, you could get a lot of stuff. Which is quite possible. Players, I don't think. Picks, I don't like, think the okay. fan base, however small they are, will stand for that. I, the but truth is, that I don't is care. An interesting proposition. The truth is, I don't care. Having another, having another exciting player where you win nothing anyway. What's that going to do for the fan base? Regardless, like I, I don't see what. What am I selling you other than congratulations? You'll have a you'll have a cool player, and then he'll play here for a while. He'll take your money until he doesn't have to, and then he'll be like, "Can I go now?" I have put in my time. I have taken your money. It is now time to go. Yeah. That's not a future that you can sell. <laughs> anyway, it's like you're just delaying the inevitable. You're kicking the can down the road. Uh, I'm not saying you do that, but I'm saying it would be, be at least a bold and decisive move. And uh, their general manager, uh, the name escapes me. Wasn't he the Cleveland guy? David Griffin. Yes, he is from Cleveland. Thank you, David Griffin. I thought so. Okay. And David Griffin, from all accounts, is a decent general manager. So I think he's actually going to give this some thought. I think he's going to consider. Now, I think he's going to go with Anthony Davis. Would you at least try for a couple of months, see how it goes, and then... Because they can wait until the trade deadline. They don't have to trade him right now. They can wait. There's no reason not to. And Anthony Davis, uh, from a personal standpoint, it behooves him to play. And it behooves him to try to play well. Because if it helps his trade value, it can only help his situation, even if he still wants out. Wait, Kyle, sorry. Can I interrupt you for a second? Go ahead. Okay. So in the most New Orleans of New Orleans things... Does it involve crawfish? When it comes to the Pelicans, if I if you do a quick Google search of New Orleans Pelicans general manager, do you know what comes up? David no. Griffin. Okay. Right? Yeah. If you do a little – and there's a story about it uh, from USA Today, but now – so that's what it says. He's a general manager, but if you actually read the story, it actually is not David Griffin. It's Trajan Langdon. So you're saying Google is uh, is drunk right now? So, no, but it's just like, What? David Griffin is the executive vice president of basketball operations. Oh, because you never you can never have just a vice president or a president. It has to be executive VP. Like it's like let's just put as many words in front of president. I thought he was a general manager, but you know what? Maybe not. Maybe structure wise, I guess. Maybe maybe he went higher up. Maybe he anyway. But uh, Trajan Langdon is the correct answer. Uh, However, Google wants to tell us that you know it's somebody else. It is in fact. Trajan Langdon. Well, regardless, though, David Griffin is involved. He was at the Yes, draft. he is in the front office of the New Orleans Yeah, and, and I would say given that he was the, the front-facing person at the draft, I think he has a lot of say in what happens here, regardless. It is going to be interesting to see. I don't know. I presented that scenario only because, to me, I don't think continuing to do what you've been doing up until this point is going to be successful. That doesn't mean you have to trade Anthony Davis right now, but it means that you should probably make it clear to him, go, look, I'd rather you stick around, but if you insist on going, then I'm going to need you to play your ass off for a couple of months let's see what we can do with it maximize the value and then we'll we'll see where we can ship you off to i think that would be the play if you can't get him to stick around at least then you've got both players for a little while and you can see what happens you never know so that's yeah that's fair yeah so that would be my angle on it that would be how i would approach it let's talk about the los angeles lakers and the ongoing bonfire a lot of the Lakers stuff is well known at this point and this week was particularly fun because i don't know if you if you had a chance to catch it but on first take on espn the Stephen A. Smith got Magic Johnson to come in for an interview to talk about a lot of what went down when he resigned and his rationale and kind of what happened. And he basically proceeded to light the entire organization on fire with a kerosene torch. And it was glorious. It was magnificent. It was a tour de force of this is totally not my fault, you guys. Totally not my fault. 
it was great how unsubtle he was and how directly he just went after certain specific people. Did you catch any of this interview at all, even a clip it or anything? No, I did not. It was magnificent. So basically, uh, Stephen A. Smith asked him point blank. He he talked. He had previously talked about you know the backstabbing and you know people talking behind back and whatever. And Stephen A. Smith goes, you know, so when you're talking about backstabbing, you're talking about. And he goes, Rob Palenka. He's basically just Rob Palenka. And it's it, it's it was there was a lot of little revelation. Let me outline them for you in a couple of bullet points here, and then I want to get your thoughts on a couple of these pieces. Okay. So according to Magic Johnson, so we're going to take him at his word here for now, just to kind of talk through this. According to Magic Johnson, when he agreed to take the job, he took the job with the understanding that I'm Magic Johnson, I run a lot of businesses, I'm a busy man, so I'm going to be in and out of the office. I'm not going to be here all the time because I'm doing other shit, effectively. And according to Magic... Jeannie Buss agreed to this. She said, okay, cool, you know, do what you need to do. So from his perspective, he's saying, I'm going to delegate authority to a bunch of people. I'm going to have them report to me, give me the information. I will make decisions. That will be my role. That will be my job. And if we have to do a negotiation, I will be the closer. I will come in and I will seal the deal, so to speak. That's the the angle that he says his version of the president of basketball operations was, or executive vice president or whatever you want to call him. So that's his version of how that worked out. Now, obviously, the other side of it is that, according to him, Rob Palenka, basically, it became an issue with their relationship that Rob Palenka would call out to people, according to him. The backstabbing was basically him saying to people that Magic wasn't around, that he wasn't around the office, that he wasn't available, that whatever, and calling that out. But in the same in the same breath, he's also mentioned it, like, right, I let off with, he said that from the get-go, he knew that he was not going to be around. So his, right. so his version of backstabbing is someone calling out the fact that he's not around, which is exactly what happened in the truth. Now, Rob Palenka is a shady character. Let's be 100% clear. It is hysterically funny. But it, it was funny that his backstabbing is like, well, yeah, that's exactly what happened. That is, in fact, the truth. That is what you admitted to during this interview. By the same token, his other issue was that in reality, he didn't have real power in the sense that he wanted to get rid of the head coach. He wanted to get rid of... Um, why am I blanking on his name all of a sudden? Luke Walton. And they replaced him with Frank Vogel. Yes. Now, the best part about it is this interview is happening the morning of the Frank Vogel press conference. As if you're not throwing enough kerosene on it. Magic Johnson went out and outlined a version of the front office where basically, according to Magic Johnson, so you can't trust anybody in the front office. Rob Plank is a liar. Nobody's really in charge there. And people who have nothing to do with basketball are being given a seat at the table to make decisions. But don't worry, guys. I will be more than happy to help you recruit free agents. That was in the same interview. And it was glorious. He goes, oh, it's like, no, Jeannie and I have a great relationship. She's still my sister. And I'll be happy to help them in any way I can to recruit free agents. At the same time that you just said the organization is shit. You just said the organization is clueless. You said the organization, the left hand doesn't know what the right hand is doing. And the person at the top is putting idiots in charge of crap. And yet you say you're going to help them get free agents. What free agent? You know what? It just, like, who in their right mind wants to go to this team like i don't care how much money they're gonna pay you like i feel like this would be this will be like the epitomization of money can't buy you happiness like you know you want to go to la and play go to the clippers well that's the thing right now at this stage in the game the clippers are beautifully poised to be the proper los angeles option because by comparison steve balmer is like a very straightforward owner he's a classic owner in the sense that he's got a ton of money and he lets the basketball people do basketball things. And they've got Jerry West, who knows what he's doing. So organizationally, they're already like 80 steps ahead of the L.A. Lakers. 
The problem, I think, uh, the the problem that a lot of people allude to is that the Lakers are being run like a family business because it sort of is that the Bus family isn't technically at the head of it, but being run like a family business where you're bringing in your friends and your cousins and your you know the spouses of your friends and your cousins and whatever. How about putting someone in there who has merit? How about putting in someone in there who actually knows something about basketball to make decisions regarding basketball? I'm not even a basketball guy, but I can tell you right now, you basically just need an adult in the room. You need someone who can make a decision on their own without consulting 56 other people. If everyone gets a seat at the table and everyone gets to have an opinion, then you're not really going to make very good decisions. That's just natural. But that's basically how they're trying to run the Los Angeles Lakers, which is a very, very high-value franchise. And Totally. Yeah, and the underlying subtext of the whole thing is that you've got this weird dichotomy where if you really think about it, now I don't know if you've given this much thought, but just think about it this way. Magic Johnson at the end of the day would love to have an equity stake in the Lakers. He'd love to have real power in the organization. He's already a mogul. He's already got lots of businesses or whatever. But if the opportunity presented, and he admitted in this interview that if the opportunity presented itself and he could buy a stake in the Lakers, he would happily buy and you know front a group owning the Lakers, much like he's doing with the Dodgers. He would love to have a similar situation with the Lakers. You know who else would also lo- has also expressed some interest in a similar kind of thing? Kobe Bryant. You know, interesting who, proposition. Yeah, you know who Kobe's you know homie is, his right hand man. No, Rob Palenka. Oh God, that was his agent. That, that, that was his homie. Rob Palenka has the job because of Kobe Bryant, and Jeannie Buss gave him the job in part because of his association with Kobe Bryant. So you've got you know the the show's off the air. I never watched the show, but. You've already got a NBA has its own Game of Thrones. You've got the Magic Johnson, you know, house trying to do its thing, throwing kerosene on the on the building to try to get people out. You've got the Bus family and their, you know, a group of people. They have an alliance with the Kobe people, and then you've got LeBron in the middle of all of it, going, "You're all idiots." I came here because I wanted to set something up. He want, and LeBron James wants to set up his own moguldom. He he's. He's well on his way. LeBron James already has a lot of power for a player, but he wants to go beyond. When his when his career is over, he wants to be the next mogul. You don't think LeBron James wouldn't mind having a piece of the Lakers too? So you basically got three or four warring factions that all secretly would like to own this team and would like to boot the other three out. And that's what's going on in the LA Lakers. So again, to your point, if you're a free agent, you're like, I'm just going to stay back from this. Yeah, get out. I'm just stay gonna, out. I'm just gonna back real slowly away, and you guys figure your shit out. And when one of you wins and the other three are dead, you can talk to me. Because until somebody, until one voice is in charge, all that nonsense is gonna continue. What's great about this is now, by comparison, the New York Knicks are a tremendously stable and uh, solidly run franchise. What a world we live in. This is where we're. At. This is where we're at now. It's 2019. Editor Carlos here. So here's the uh, editing part that I referenced in the intro. So Dave and I actually did have a chance to talk about the, where the Raptors and the Milwaukee Bucks were going through four games. You know, they were tied two games to two, and we kind of speculated on what we thought would happen in game five. Since then, obviously, as I've been editing this, game five was actually tonight, as I'm recording right now. So the truth is, enough has changed that I thought it warranted a, kind of a bit of an update. So rather than include all of the conversation... The Western Conference conversation is still valid because it was a four-game sweep by Golden State. But as far as the Milwaukee and Toronto series is concerned, a lot has changed. So Game 5, the Raptors won, 105-99. to And really, it came down to 
the Raptors really, really wanted to take advantage of the momentum they had going in. Up until this point, uh, it had been home teams winning. And kind of one of the points that we made that I'll repeat here was really that we said, and kind of we were in agreement on, that up until this point, since it had been home team winning every time, the only thing that was going to separate these two teams was going to be, can anybody take a game from the other team at home? Can someone come on the road and actually win the game? Which is exactly what Toronto did. And they played a very good road game. The truth is that, you know, through the third quarter, they tied each other and then really took over in the fourth quarter. And that's really where they started to separate themselves. And that was the margin of victory, really, in the fourth quarter, where they were able to come back and then in turn win. Milwaukee down the stretch was incredibly disappointing in the sense that they really were not able to get into the rhythm. Now, part of that was just Toronto really being aggressive and really and clearly wanting it more. That's kind of been the display since the since they barely squeaked out game three. That double overtime game since then, Milwaukee just hasn't been playing the same. Through two games, they really did look dominant, the truth is. So now with three straight wins, now Toronto gets to go back home where certainly there's no guarantee, but if they are able to feed off the home crowd at all, it really looks good for Toronto to potentially win in game six. And then at that point, that would be a very disappointing outcome if you're a Milwaukee Bucks fan and you're really expecting this to be Giannis's like coming up party. It was, it was supposed to be the Milwaukee Bucks going into the final, likely playing the Warriors, which whoever wins is going to play the Warriors now. And that was a compelling matchup just to see kind of what uh, Giannis could do against the Warriors team. And now the Warriors team potentially is going to be playing without Kevin Durant. So that in and of itself creates kind of an interesting matchup. How do these two teams stack up? The thought process was that Milwaukee, the way they're configured, would probably pose the more interesting matchup. The truth is, I still think they would probably pose the more interesting matchup, but you still have to get out of the East. Now, I'm not throwing dirt on Milwaukee yet. Obviously, they can come back, they can win game six, and then you go to game seven, you never know what's going to happen. Toronto historically has not been great at closing out these things. But this is as good an opportunity as they're ever going to get. So going into game six on Saturday, it's really going to come down to if they can match this type of performance, this type of intensity, and you know get stronger down the stretch and take control of the game in the second half. Really, even if they're behind early, or even if they're behind at the half, if they can finish strong, kind of the way they did in this game, and Kawhi Leonard is able to give them enough, and the, and the rest of the cast and the, and the bench is able to do its job, kind of the way they did here, I see no reason Toronto couldn't go to the NBA final, which would be a surprising, a really welcome outcome for the fan base, I would say. Then it brings into questions like, you know, does that mean Kawhi Leonard would come back? I don't think so, honestly. But at the same time, you can make a really compelling pitch if you're able to get this far. If you get past Milwaukee, it has franchise implications for the Toronto Raptors franchise. So really, they have almost everything to gain. Very little to lose, because either way, it's been a very good season for them. But there's so much potentially to gain, and it makes things a lot more interesting because you just don't know what Kawhi Leonard is valuing. It's been a really good, it's been kind of a good time for him this season in the sense that he's been able to be the man, and a lot of people have deferred to him, and he's gotten a lot of love in Toronto. I don't know if that matters to him. I don't know if that's enough. And the fact that Toronto can offer him a lot of money, I don't know if that's enough. It's really going to be a matter of where, he, where his priorities lie. For Milwaukee, this would be kind of a back-to-the-drawing-board situation because I think for them as well, they can kind of sense it. This feels like a really good opportunity in a really big situation. Basically, the East got wide open the moment LeBron went West, but now it's these teams are all looking at each other saying the exact same thing, especially these last two. This is your opportunity. This is it. Whoever can go to the finals, even if they lose to Golden State, it's, it's a progression forward towards their future and potentially future seasons. We'll have to see how that plays out, but it does make it tremendously interesting. 
So I think right now the Eastern Conference Finals continuing on is good in terms of making it compelling. We're going to have a couple of days now to think about kind of what that's going to look like going forward. But Saturday night's going to be really interesting, especially around these parts. Living in the GTA, I can assure you that Saturday night is going to be big in Toronto. So I'll leave it at that, and then we'll get back here to a little discussion on the Golden State part and the rest of the podcast. Now, regardless of who wins that series, they're going to be playing the Golden State Warriors, who swept the Portland Trailblazers four games to nothing, as I mentioned earlier. Here's the interesting thing about the Golden State Warriors. They won four games to nothing and the last two games of the Houston series without one Kevin Durant, which, of course, led to the full-scale news cycle being, do they really need Kevin Durant? Is Kevin Durant just a luxury? Because if you watch the Golden State games, you're going to see they're playing a very different style of basketball than they were when Kevin Durant was in the lineup. The fact of the matter is they're passing the ball around a lot more. Klay Thompson's more involved. Steph Curry has elevated his game accordingly. I think he broke the record for most points in a four-game sweep by a player. And at the same time, Draymond Green has basically started playing like a man possessed. Like he literally is playing on defense. Super intense. He's avoiding a lot of the easy, cheap fouls that usually he does. He's not getting himself in too much trouble with the officials and incurring the wrath of technical fouls. He's avoiding, he's basically focusing right now on getting the basketball at all turn, at all times and at all angles. And when he's playing like that, then Golden State, as soon as they start hitting those three point shots, it's suddenly, it's curtains. And Portland played well. Portland fought them pretty hard in the end. It wasn't like it was easy, but at the same time, at the end of the day, they beat them in four. And they, and they crushed Houston's hopes because, really, Houston had every opportunity to win that series before that. So they won six games in a row, basically. The, the Kevin Durant went down in the third quarter of Game 5 in the Houston series, but they basically won six games in a row without Kevin Durant. Right. And they've played, at least defensively, they've played a lot stronger basketball. Now, other part of the reason why that makes it so dramatic is nobody knows what Kevin Durant is going to do in the offseason. Is he going to go to the New York Knicks? Is he going to do all that? And we'll have time to talk about all that. But the other thing is... At a certain point, if he's not able to come back, which is an assumption, we don't know, there's lots of time for him to heal up, but if he's not able to come back, does Golden State still have the advantage over either a Milwaukee or Toronto where that suddenly is having a much tougher series? Guys are getting banged up. Giannis is healthy, but Kawhi's not. These, these things are, could all be an impact for either one of these teams in the East taking on a Golden State Warriors potentially in the NBA Finals. And if Golden State is able to win the NBA Finals without Kevin Durant, that kind of puts a little taint on a couple of those championships. He's like, well, Kevin Durant, yes, you won championships, but really, I know for what a fact. What did you do Dave, to win them? I know for a fact Dave Turnbull could have won, could have been a champion on those teams. I don't know. Hey, he I take it too, man. And he could have been in concussion protocol at the time. He contributed about as much as you did to the last I, series. I take it. Yeah, but it, it makes it, it puts it into context. Like it's, uh, it's an interesting thing. And Kevin Durant, as we all know, is a very thick skinned man who doesn't take to, who ignores criticism at all turns. Of course. Yes, yes. But uh, but that makes it interesting from uh, from an intrigue standpoint. I, I the whole all the scenarios make it a lot more interesting because we still don't know what he's going to do in the off season. He could go off to go play for another team. He could go join another uh, you know another loving person who enjoys the spotlight and hanging out with the media and Kyrie Irving in New York, and that would be entertaining. Or he could join the dumpster fire that is the Los Angeles Lakers. Yeah, the one I hear a little bit more now is that is that he could be a good target for the Clippers. And Kevin Durant and the Clippers could be interesting. That would be another. That would be a real good slap in the face for the LA Lakers, actually, to have Kevin Durant have the. By the way, you're not. You already weren't the best team in LA because the other team made the playoffs. But then let's go pick up a player who can bolster them another level echelon entirely and make it real interesting in the West. Just, just something to keep in mind. Something to keep things interesting. Yeah. Well, I think the thing with Golden State too is they have so many people 
who can who play good basketball and can shoot the ball. So, you know, if somebody has an off night, you can easily make up for it because the likelihood of, you know, two or three of those guys having a bad night is quite low at this point, at this point in the playoffs and from what they've shown us so far. Yeah. And the other thing that'll be interesting is if Kevin Durant does leave. Most people consider that to be a, a very real possibility. I, I would say it's like 99%. You know, weird stuff can happen. It's the NBA. But if it does, as expected, what happens if Golden State comes back, retains all its current guys, they're all determined to prove that they can win without KD for an entire season. They retain the services of, say, a Boogie Cousins and go pick up somebody else because you knocked off because Devin Durant is a big salary. So if you don't pay Boogie Cousins like big dollars, but he's there as a role player who can play, and then you go pick up a couple other guys, you could have some more depth on the bench. And all of a sudden it's like, okay, still a pretty good team. Yeah. So it's it, Golden State might not be d- remotely done next season, regardless of what happens. So it's just how they want to reload. Yeah, and exactly. That's scary, and that's scary for the teams out. Yes. It's like, yes, it is. Yeah, you can lose them. It's like, uh, well, that sucks, but we really don't care. We'll move on. So I think that's it for those ones. I'll make a couple of quick notes. I will mention that the uh, Guelph Storm won the OHL championship between the last podcast we recorded and now, and they're playing in the Memorial Cup. So congratulations to them. Also, a quick shout out to Brooks Kepka for winning the PGA championship. Well done. Well done. You're only saying well done because you won a bet. Yes, correct. Well done. That's important. When the people win me the money, that's how I earn these vacation homes. This is how it's done. You got to have the people working for you. Work smarter, Dave, not harder. That's how it's done. I will will say a couple of quick points on uh, a UFC Rochester, which happened this past weekend, which is actually an interesting little card. Uh, you can catch the replay because it was on free TV. It was it was a fun card. I will say the there were three standout fights to me. And then there were other fights that were good. Let's not pretend they're not. But the three standouts for me that I was keeping a closer eye on, one of them by accident and the other two intentionally, Megan Anderson, very disappointing performance against uh, Felicia Spencer. Both were Invicta 145-pound champions. And I don't know what the UFC is going to do with their 145-pound women's division. The truth is that Megan Anderson was kind of supposed to be the star of that division. And she has almost no wrestling or ground game, which is problematic because every opponent now is going to try to take you to the ground and wrestle you. And if you can't wrestle, it doesn't matter that you're six feet tall. It doesn't matter that you have tremendous reach over all of your opponents. It's going to suck. She's tremendously marketable. She is a good fighter in certain aspects, but her game is incomplete and that's troublesome if you're going to try to build a division and that division is already really weak because you've got cyborg you've got megan anderson who already lost to this person felicia spencer who just joined it and your champion is amanda nunez who actually came up a division to to fight in that division so your champion is not even from that division which means you have a very very thin division aspen ladd also picked up a win against sajar eubanks which is a rematch from invecta that i saw the original fight it was a good fight, and uh, she did win the fight, But and it, it keeps her undefeated streak alive. But at the same time, it's going to be interesting to see how they market Aspen Lai going forward because she's probably one more good fight away from maybe being in a potential championship match. And the other one that stood out to me that I wasn't expecting because I didn't know too much about the guy, I hadn't seen too much of him, Michael Pernera. I totally butchered that name. I think it's uh, Pereira. I'll try. You'll have to Google it. If you Google that one, the fight was a highlight reel knockout, which was really cool because it's a combination I haven't seen. It was a flying knee, which stunned his opponent, followed by a straight, followed by a straight right hand that knocked him flat out, where he did where he did the thing where he was stiff as a board and just went down like a tree falling over. The referee, the referee didn't even let him go in to take another shot. He just called it immediately off. And it was very unorthodox offense, which was very interesting to watch. So I'll be interested to see what his next fight's going to look like because he was he was jumping off the cage, he was jumping off the side of the cage doing all kinds of weird shit. He tried to do like a like a cartwheel with like a front kick 
a bunch of weird stuff during that fight. He was trying to, he was trying to get a highlight reel knockout, and he ended up succeeding. It'll be interesting to see what his next fight looks like. So it's kind of fun when they have some good fights on the quote-unquote free TV card. Okay, so with that said, I think that's it for now. It is midweek. Do you want to talk about what we're looking forward to, Dave? I don't know if I have anything to look forward to this week. Well, I'm looking um, forward you to your trip. Well, of you, course I'm looking You are going to, to see trip. a game in said trip. Yes, yes. Uh, so I would say moving forward, what am I looking forward to? Well, by the time we record next time, we will actually have the Europa League final, which I pre-mentioned. So I am looking forward to that because I would like to see my team win. So there's that. And then, yes, I'm off to San Francisco this weekend to see four teams play baseball. The Giants versus the Diamondbacks and the Athletics versus the Mariners. And it's probably going to be a situation where I'll be watching all four teams playing under 500 baseball by the time I get there. So just more proof that I'm most excited about the stadium. Oh, yes, because the Oakland Coliseum is a sight to behold, let me tell you right now. A sight to behold. You know, I was really hoping that once the the Raiders left, that things would get, you know, they would do some stuff with the stadium. Uh, But then the Raiders didn't really leave. So, yeah. Well, in fairness, even if the Raiders had left, there is this small matter of money. There is a reason that Oakland A became the epicenter of Moneyball. It is because of a lack of money. At this point, I'm not sure if the Oakland Athletics franchise could afford a vacation home in one of the locations that we've aforementioned. It's a very weird where that organization has a winning tradition. In the 70s, they won three straight World Series. In the late 80s and the early 90s, they were a dominant franchise. It's not like that team's never won anything. They totally have. They won the World Series in 1989 last time. But it's just, since then, it's... There's been nothing. And it's weird because the Oakland A's, you know, if you go, if you think back to the Philadelphia A's and Connie Mack, he chronically had issues with budgets and funding. And, and that kind of resulted in a lot of his dynasty teams being broken up. Even though he had a super long career, a lot of it was being terrible in the last part of it just because he never had enough money to be able to keep the star-studded lineups that he put together. If you go and st- research your baseball history, he had some great teams with a lot of Hall of Fame players. And he was never able to keep them long term. In that sense, the Philadelphia A's were the New Orleans Pelicans of their day. Oh, please. You had to go there, didn't you? Oh, you're right. You're right. The Pelicans have never actually won anything. That's so, But I want to ask you a question, Carlos. Go ahead. In honor of this trip, and it's not something we have to answer right now. The answer you don't seven. have to give me an answer. But I was also putting it out there on the thing because, you know, maybe the people could give us their own suggestions and the feedback. Now, for me, I go on, I've gone on baseball trips quite frequently. I try to go on at least one a year two for various stadiums, trying to do all 30 Major League Baseball stadiums. And I've now done more than 30 stadiums. The problem is they keep building new ones, which they're doing again next year. Screw you, Texas Rangers. Anyway, uh, what to you is the ultimate sports road trip? Ultimate sports road trip. Now, assuming, now let's say, you know, or maybe just sports trip. Like I'm thinking within North America because that's where we are and we can drive to. Even I mean, theoretically, you probably wouldn't drive to Florida, but you could. Lots of Canadians do. You probably wouldn't drive to California, but it does happen. Uh, but within that, you know, what to you is the ultimate sports road trip? Is it just seeing one thing? Is it because of the city? Is it because of the stadium? Because, you know, teams change all the time. But I just want to, in honor of my trip to San Francisco, 
I just put that out there. I think if I was going to do it, if you're saying the word ultimate, I would combine a couple of things, but they would have to be within close proximity to make the sequence work. There's a lot of stadiums and things that would be worth checking out. <laughs> but I think the angle that I would take on this, I would start off with the California part and visit a couple of those parks or things. And again, you could have baseball slash football, depending on the time of year you do it. So I would go there and then, especially after they build that new mega stadium in LA where they're going to put those teams, that'd be kind of a good spot depending on how proximity. So you go there, you attend some of the stuff there, but then I swing over to Vegas, and if you time it out right at the right time of year, then you can catch a UFC card at the um, at the T-Mobile Center. Because, okay. you, because the UFC event, I, I, wanna, I plan on checking out a UFC event probably the next time they come over to Toronto, depending on what the card is and on all that, but it would be a different thing doing it in the T-Mobile Center in Las Vegas because that's kind of the UFC's home. That's like the epicenter, and that's where you're doing it. So you'd have some combination of baseball, football. You got that over in, in California. But then California is close enough to Las Vegas that you can finish up in Vegas because, as you well know, I love Vegas. Yes. So finishing it off in Vegas, game. you do the games first, but then you go to do the Vegas. You can do the UFC thing. And because it's Vegas, even though the main event doesn't start until midnight, that's 9 p.m. local time. That means by the time the fights are over, you can go you can go get something to eat, something to drink, and hang out. And it's Vegas. Boom. Yeah. That's what would work for me. But it's kind of it always depends on kind of what people want to do. But that's just because it gives me a beautiful way to end in Vegas and I would be able to check off a lot of stuff along the way. That sounds actually not bad. Very doable. So if, if anyone goes and looks at like the thing because California is close enough to Vegas, the two states are close enough together, you can you can make that trip when you hit the first part if you really want to. You can fly to the first part and then drive over to the second part. Drive back and then fly back. However you want to do it. Yeah, it's actually totally doable. 100% and and would be quite nice, actually. There we go. Done. I thought of that sequence. That would be probably the way that I would play it if it was me. All right. Uh, for me, which I probably won't do, I had plans to do it, but it's it's not going to happen now. Just the thing is, I would say drive to Cal- base. Just do baseball. Fly to San Francisco. See two games there. Drive to L.A. Like down the coast, Pacific Coast Highway. Two games there, and then continue on to San Diego. Yeah, that's the thing. Once you're once you're in California State, if you like to do baseball, you got so many stadiums there. Now the drive isn't short, but at the same time, it's not ridiculous. You're still inside the same state. Oh, you know, and you can take your time, and you know. Yeah, if you map it out, and if it's the right time of year, the weather will be beautiful, so you can kind of move from one spot to the other. If you know kind of how you're mapping it out and you space it out in the right way, and then you uh, you can check out the sites along the way. There's a lot to do and a lot to see. That's very doable. Something like that. That's so there you are, Carlos. So what I'll do is I'll finish up here with quickly what I'm looking forward to. There isn't a lot, to be honest with you. There's stuff on the sports calendar. I'm going to be watching some baseball, I think, now that uh, the Stanley Cup final is set. We're going to be waiting for the start of that. May 27th is Game 1, St. Louis Blues playing at Boston. That's not going to be until next week, so we're to, you know this podcast will be out well before that. Uh, we'll have started the Stanley Cup final by the time we record the next one, so that's fine. Although tomorrow, so we're recording on a Wednesday, there is uh, Game 5 of the Raptors taking on the Milwaukee Bucks in Milwaukee. And then uh, Game 6 will be on Saturday. So we'll have a little bit of a gap there. We know game a day in between. We may have the conclusion by Saturday or it may go forward until Monday, if necessary, for Game 7. There you go. I think otherwise, uh, in terms of uh, sports calendar, there's stuff on. But it's it's a lot of we're kind of in a holding pattern until the NBA Finals begins and until the, NA, the Stanley Cup Finals begins. You ready for some shameless plugs? Always, Carlos. All right, let's do the shameless plugs. First, if you want to see a static image of our faces in cartoon pop form. And let's be real, who doesn't? 
Like it's it's really a highlight of my day. But if you want to see that and listen to our lovely voices, then you can do so on YouTube if you're so inclined. You can do so by looking up Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast. You can just type that in and you will find it. Also, you can check us out on iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts, if you just prefer the audio variety. And you'll still get to see a lovely visage of us, you know, our pictures there. In addition, you can check out our Instagram, at Unnecessary Podcast. Usually, if a new podcast episode is coming up, I'll usually put something on there, either a clip or an image, just to let you know that it's happening. It's a good way to keep track if you add yourself to the uh, Instagram. On Twitter, at Unnecessary underscore pod. Same thing. If there's a new one up, I'll put it up there. And our site is unnecessarypod.podbean.com. So that'll do it for myself and for Dave. Bon voyage. Good luck in San Francisco. Try not to have too much fun. Thank you. I'll do my best. And we will catch you on the next episode of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast.